In eight years of listening to you, I've had some really amazing experiences hearing Pro Musica, and that is my all-time favorite song. <laughs> There's just no way to describe it. That was so beautiful, that, all of them. But that last song, oh, what a blessing that was. Thank you so much for sharing that with us today and for each part. Would you just pray with me over these musicians today and over our time together in the Word? Our God, oh, I feel so filled up and blessed by each one of these people who just poured out their heart in praise. And we as a community of faith recognize that they sing, whether it's been an easy week or a hard week. They sing whether they got the grade they wanted or they struggled. They sing in the midst of hard times and good times. And so, God, we lift them up before you, asking that you would pour into their hearts and strengthen them in ways that they need right now. Thank you for the gift of their music today that raised each one of us up before your very throne to minister to our hearts through the offering that they have poured out. Now my request, our request of the people of God is that you would pour back in, that you would pour into them. God, I pray for each one of us as we now prepare our hearts and minds to hear your word. Allow us to hear what you have for us today because you're a good God, because you want to be known. We sit in eager anticipation for what you will say, for how you will speak. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you. From the very beginning, if you turn to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, it says that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And it goes from day one to day two to day three to day four to day five to day six when God creates and forms human beings and breathes into our nostrils the very breath of life. And we often wonder, why did God do it this way? Why did God show that the animals all had companions but that Adam was without? Why did God need to declare and speak over us, it is not good? that human beings should be alone. For that word Adama from the earth, that word for humanity, God declared from the very beginning that we were not meant to do life alone. And yet, we have a hard time doing community too. I love that softly and tenderly. That fits so perfect with the writings of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. If you haven't read the book Life Together, he says that humans who gather and try to focus on having strong community will always fail because we're all just trying to do our own thing and it's not working and you saw everyone just singing their own. And then, But as soon as there's a focus, he says, on Christ, as soon as there's a focus on the one voice, the shepherd who is to lead us all, community comes as a result. So as soon as there's focus, as soon as you know who your director is, as soon as we keep our eyes on Jesus, there's this miracle, this gift of harmony, this gift of unity, this gift of community that is beyond what any of us could do. That song was such an apt description of that book and what is reality. 
that we know that we need each other is a truth. Maybe we try to push aside sometimes, but it's a reality we see from the very beginning from creation, but also something that we live day to day. We're talking all about the practices of what it means to be Christian, what it looks like to follow after Jesus. And even community can be a practice, an important rhythm, a difficult thing to do, but something that we need to put into practice. Showing up honest, giving and receiving from others, knowing what you can do and what you can't do. This habit of community is worth cultivating. English poet John Donne, writing in the 17th century, famously wrote, No man is an island. He argued for this interconnectedness of all people to each other and to God. Meditation 17 is one of a series of essays he wrote when he was seriously ill in the winter of 1623. It has been popularly remembered for this one excerpt. No man is an island, entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. If a clod be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less as well as if a promontory were, as well as if a manner of thy friends or of thine own were. Any man's death diminishes me because I am involved in all mankind and therefore never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Don compares suffering to gold and argues that we can never have enough of our neighbor's pain. For no man hath affliction enough that it is not matured and ripened by it. No one suffers alone, and being aware of another's pain only makes us stronger and more able to live fully because we understand and know what another human being goes through. A colleague and friend of mine reminded me this week how important community is and how true these very words are. Perhaps you may have heard of the tragic loss of Dr. Antoinette Bonnie Candia Bailey. She was the Vice President of Student Affairs at Lincoln University of M Missouri. As a female Vice President, she was intentionally harassed and bullied. She faced racism and discrimination. And sadly, last month, she took her life. Chaz Robinson was a doctoral student who was finding his way when he met Dr. Bonnie. And he shared with the USA Today reporter that she lit up a room, that she provided him with connections and encouragement. She made sure he got paid for the work that helped to establish him. And he says this in the wake of her loss. Black women are going through a lot. And we, as a society, have to do better by them. We have to do better by recognizing mental health and by creating environments in the workplace where it doesn't have to come to that. So my colleague, this friend that I mentioned, she gathered people this last week. She gathered women of color and she said, how are you doing? She opened up safe space for all those who gathered. This work moves me deeply. Because as everyone shared, they realized they weren't in it alone. You see, right now, we could each name, you could take out your phone or your paper or your pen, and you could name the insurmountable challenges that we see all around us. 
inequity, racism, classism, ageism, struggle, suffering, and devastating loss, war, trial. Watching what happens on the news as well as in our communities, as well as in our own families can trigger a feeling of helplessness. What can any one of us do about this? It's very clear we are not islands. We are affected by each other. We do suffer when others suffer. We are all in this together. But here's what makes the difference. And here's what moved me so deeply about my colleagues' work. That by gathering, we realize we're in it together. By gathering, we realize that we are not alone. We need each other, and by gathering, there is a strength, and there is a connection, and there is a community that allows all of us to go forward in ways we couldn't otherwise. So how one part of the body of Christ experiences life affects all of us as we experience life. We've been learning that. I think the pandemic going forward, these last four years, we keep saying this statement, and it came up in four or five articles that I read this week, we don't know the full impact of what COVID-19 did on our communities, on our children, on the development of those who are going through at younger ages, that it did reveal for us what we've known to be true all along, that we need each other, that there's something that happens when we connect, when we draw in close, that we can acknowledge together what we know by personal experience and what we know by scripture, that we are not meant to live in isolation. The people of God are called to do life together. The connection and compassion and care that are exhibited in the body of Christ are the greatest witnesses that we have in the world. Ellen White says it this way, the knowledge of the Savior's matchless love for them was to bind them, that is the disciples, heart to heart, preparing the way for the Lord to anoint them with his spirit. United by this love, they were to go forth to witness with convincing power to the divinity of their leader. What allowed them to show the divinity of their leader and who Christ was? Love between them. Their Christ-like love for one another was to be the sign of their discipleship. Yet we all know we do this poorly. We do this with our own brokenness and our own hang-ups. But we do this with the pattern Jesus taught us, just like the early disciples did. Wait, stay in a room. I'm going to pour out my spirit as you are together. As you're united together, I'm going to give you what you don't have on your own. As you look towards Jesus, as you unite your attention and your devotion towards him, I'm going to do something among you that's going to cause everyone around you to say, wow, I wonder what's going on there. I wonder what kind of love is going on in that place. Acts chapter 2, 46 and 47 describe what the life of the early believers looked like. Every day, it says, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added daily those who were being saved. They ate together. They praised together. They prayed together. They met together. And as they were united with Jesus and each other, God was able to continue to add to their number that church growth was all spoken of in relational terms. 
they were together. Notice there's not a single part of the life of following Christ that's meant to be done alone. The entire Christian life is to be done in community, meeting, eating, singing and praising, serving, struggling, growing. Unfortunately, we miss the you plural in Greek. We often hear it as just us. You do this. You do this. I just came from Texas this last week, though, and I found myself on Tuesday in staff meeting. Like, seriously, how contagious is this? Like, I was not thinking of it, and I was like, y'all, do you think? Like, what? Where did that come from? But it, who said that amen? Who's, (laughs) someone true to the Lone Star Nation. Uh, So this though, in your Bibles, it really should read y'all or you all. And so many of the times that we put pressure on the individual because we tend from this individualistic perspective, some of you don't come from cultures or heritage that we celebrate today, that it's not so individualistic, praise God. But in the scriptures, we can read it as you, personally, you do that. But instead, the scripture says you all, you all growing together in love, you all who are striving together for your salvation, you all that are coming together to eat and to meet and to praise. So in your English Bibles, it looks like pressure on you alone. But in the scriptures, it is really calling us to a life of devotion with one another, a life lived out in community. It's this whole idea of independence versus interdependence. And we get so focused on becoming independent. It's so hard. Like I was raised to do it by myself. Yes, it's the two-year-old's claim. I wanna do it by myself, but it's something that I fall back on. I wanna do it by myself. I want to have all that I need. My dad used that phrase all the time, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, constantly. How many of you relate to that, anyone? Were you raised with that high degree of responsibility? Do it, you know, you just want to do it on your own. And then suddenly I read the scriptures that I'm supposed to be dependent again, like I'm, raising my children towards independence. Like, right, we want them to be able to dress and shower, uh, opposite order, shower and dress, then go eat. They might do it in that order. Actually, we did that one time in our house, the opposite order. But we are striving towards independence constantly from the moment we're born and supported towards self-actualization, meaning I do it by myself. And yet the scriptures, Jesus says, I want you to come and depend on me, surrender to me, trust in me, submit to ways you don't understand that are beyond yourself. Oh, not an easy road. And then he says, I want you to be interdependent on the people around you. Because Jesus said, come follow me, join me, and you're going to do it together. He was surrounded by disciples as they were living with Jesus and following after him with one another. We can have a hard time depending on each other. I won't ask you this, but I have wanted to do this as an anonymous survey. How many of you would rather give than receive? I think it would be majority. I mean, we we tend towards, oh, do you need something? Oh, sure. But then what can I do to serve you? Oh, no, no, no same. It's hard to receive, right? 
But the Christian community is this invitation to both give and to receive. No wonder we struggle. We struggle as adults in our relationship with God and in our trust with each other. Yet the reality is to grow in Christ is to grow in trust and a willingness to be dependent, a willingness to be interdependent on the body of Christ, that we make space in our lives together, being intentional about building relationships with those around us. So you call someone and you say, I need prayer. So you reach out and you share what's really going on so that you take the step to let someone else in on what your reality really is. I join God in, in prayer in the morning, and I did this morning, and my heart is drawn into the presence of God. And I know that's where growth happens. I know that God meets me there, and there was this beautiful speaking to me through the scriptures this morning. And yet there's the reality that there's some growth in my life that can't happen outside of the body of Christ. And there's a growth that happens with Jesus, and then there's the real in-your-space people that you grow from as you're around them. So when I open myself up to depend on those around me, there is growth. When you see someone else for who they really are and you still show up in love, it communicates something so strong and so powerful that it's transformative. When you see the mistakes that I make, when you see those days when I struggle with showing up late to somewhere because I took on and said yes to too many things or for, forgot something, and still you see the potential of how God shows up in my life, when you show up in love even still, that's real community. Because the thing with the happy Sabbath facade is that if people really knew, would they really love me? But when you show up in small group and when you show up in Bible study and when you show up in your Pathfinder class and someone really sees you and loves you even still, wow, that changes us. That changes us as we show up real in who we are and yet are loved. We offer this gift of being known as well as knowing to each other that I cannot be a disciple on my own. Jesus called the disciples to be with him and to also be with each other. Hebrews 10, 23 and 25 says this, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who is, has promised is faithful. And let us consider how we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. That our very presence in each other's lives spurs one another on towards love and good deeds. Have you ever been encouraged or inspired by someone else? Have you ever been encouraged or inspired by someone else? And it's usually we think we're going to be encouraged and inspired by something great that they do. And so we like to keep and filter out all of the other parts, but just show up with the good parts. But this week, my most powerful encounters that I had where I was deeply moved and I was inspired were when people showed up with the fullness of their humanity and I was moved. This, this one friend who's who said that they realized that, that he experienced racial discrimination again. And he said, 
he looked down and he said, we're doing this again. We're still doing this. And then he talked to me about his family and about his ancestors and about the strength that he has from who he is in the Lord. And I found myself so moved and inspired by him. But it wasn't by him keeping the parts that some of us would say that we would filter out, you know, the despair and the discouragement and the despondency that can come from living a human life. But instead, it was by showing up with all of that and by seeing how God intersected and met with him there. So when you show up and are willing to be fully known, we have the opportunity to be spurred on towards love and good deeds by what we see and experience in you. God's power through the community of the church is greater than the sum of God's power in our lives individually. It's time to reconnect to the power of God in community. This does not mean community comes quickly or easily. Community is hard work. 